This is Imperial Voice, streaming from the palace of His Imperial Majesty, Haile Selassie. City with me, Oluwato C. Odilere. I'm William Heath. And this morning, um, William, we will be talking to... Guy Bridgewater, the rector of Bath Abbey. What do you reckon? Yeah, that will be interesting. I think so. And they do quite good work with Bemsko already. And, you know, it sits right at the heart of our community. I'd be really interested to see, see what he's got to say about uh, post-footprint, post-Covid presence. And I, and I think that there are um, many wonderful things about the Abbey. I mean, it is... Uh, one of those sort of glorious landmarks um, in Bath, as you come into Bath and uh, and you see it's all golden on a, on a beautiful day. I mean, it's pretty magical here. Uh, and yes, you know, it, it is at the heart of um, a wonderful city and gives us um, that standing as a city, doesn't it? That's the reason why we can call Bath a city. Yeah, it's got deep, deep history. You're right. It's technically why we can be a city. And, and lots of people go there. I, do you feel welcome when you go there? <laughs> I don't think it is a... Um, uh, first of all, I, I don't think it's just a place of worship. Um, it is also, uh, I think, a tourist destination and uh, a revenue earner for... Um, the for the church um and it's very white oh hello it's guy huh hey guy how are you i'm all right thank you you're all right yes we're fine so thank you so very much for doing this that's all right that's okay guy welcome to the show and and i hope you i hope you had a really warm welcome to bath when you came How, how was that thank you people were wonderfully warm and uh, yeah, I mean, we moved from Sussex. I was a, uh, a little town called Horsham, and so Bath is a bigger setting. Um, and so there's lots of people to get to know every level of the community, Bath Abbey's own congregation and staff, but then rippling out into the city. And um, yeah, you're sort of meeting people a thousand miles an hour in those early days and trying to remember who everyone is. We like to cultivate the reputation as a welcoming and inclusive city. Listen, you're stepping into the shoes of Dunstan and Alfage. I mean, it's an incredible institution, isn't it? The, the, the stewardship of Bath Abbey. It is um, a huge um, privilege um, and responsibility. Um, both of those um, esteemed gentlemen went on to be the Archbishop of Canterbury. No uh, pressure there, then. I, not my ambition. I very, very hastily want to point out. Um, and uh, yeah, but they obviously left their mark on um, Bath Abbey as well as um, the church nationally. Um, yeah. Is your impression that Bath is, is really a sacred city? I think um, the Abbey has a role to seek to make it so. I mean, obviously, it's been a place of um, prayer ever since 
Roman times and perhaps before that um, because of the hot springs. So there's, it's been a place where um, people have come for healing. Um, sacred implies holy to me and obviously people like Alfridge and, um, and Dunstan, um, I mean that was what distinguished them. Um, Bath has a sort of checkered past perhaps in terms of being holy. Um, but, it, but, but being a place of, um, of prayer, certainly. It's fantastic in the city to have um, two universities, um, plus Bath College and the Norland Nannies. And uh, like every student town, I guess that brings, um, again, fantastic boost uh, to young culture in the city. But um, there are always some town and gown issues. I haven't experienced any myself, but I've heard people talk about them. Um, we at the Abbey have very strong links with both Bath University and Bath Spa, so um, that's great. So you've got sort of parallel things going on, haven't you? And uh, all coming together in one place. It's a city with, uh, very aware of, in terms of pastoral needs, the huge disparities um, in income uh, between the wealthy and um, the more socially deprived areas of the city. There's um, something which has been oft quoted to me about a particular bus route whereby um, the average life expectancy reduces by 10 years from one end of the bus route to the other which is a scandal um, and you're, we're aware of um, children obviously in some parts of the city who rarely engage with places like Bath Abbey the cultural heritage of the city and um, that's obviously work for Bath Abbey to um, uh, we've got a learning officer in place recently appointed and a youth and families minister and that will be their job to, to reach out the best we can um, across the city. So again, parallel communities sharing the same space and obviously we're aware of um, both visitors and locals being represented among the homeless community on our streets. So first impressions. A city with wonderful features. It's a huge privilege to live here, um, but uh, it's a challenge to be one city, one community joined up. And um, uh, we cherish our unique cultural heritage um, and the beauty of it. Uh, sometimes caring for social needs at the same time, that's a bit of a challenge. And sometimes there are competing priorities, which um, I'm sure Baines do their best with, but it's not easy. And do you think um, in pastoral terms, the reality is that the Abbey is more effective, more positioned to serve the wealthy and sort of confident affluent Bath rather than the socially deprived Bath you talk to? And are you very much at one end of that bus journey that you described? Well, we're in the centre and obviously um, we, well, the Abbey's an un unusual church in many ways. It's both a parish church for the city centre, so we have a tiny little um, community who live right within our patch. But otherwise, it's people coming in um, from further afield, either in the city or, of course, from around the world in normal times. So um, I think the challenge for us is to reach out to parts of the city. Obviously, they have their own churches, which are closer to them, but we want to be a church for the whole city and um, I think Bath Abbey does have a unique position it's the oldest church um, in the city it's the sort of the, the natural 
gathering place for city events and it'd be wonderful to diversify those kinds of events that we're able to host on behalf of the whole city. Yeah, so um, Guy, you've really spoken a lot about the disparity between the poor and the rich and perhaps also the use of, of, of the abbey. How do you hope to sort of reconcile? I mean, what practical measures do you have in mind to engage yeah. the, the less privileged parts of the I certainly don't have a magic wand and I didn't come with a uh, plan in my back pocket either. Um, 18 months in, lots of listening. I think um, recent events, obviously I'm sure we'll come on to the impact of COVID and Black Lives Matter. We're just uh, very aware of the fact that we need one another across the city, uh, across agencies, across churches. I mean, basically we are interdependent and we're foolish if we think that Bath Abbey by itself um, can do very much. But Bath Abbey as a place which hosts other things, I think, um, so public debates, forums on um, issues of shared concern. I think we're quite well placed to do that. Um, in terms of education, I think um, uh, there is a huge opportunity um, uh, to develop, um, to, again, together with um, others in the city, and I'm sure um, Fairfield House will be part of this, um, a whole range of resources for, I think, local history, um, local issues um, ought to be on the school curriculum just as much as broader issues and uh, clearly recent events we've been very aware of our, our, our local history um, so there's an opportunity um, to pr provide resources for that. So we, we asked you to suggest a few tracks yeah. to put in during our interview and, and I have to say because of, because of the musical tradition of Bath Abbey I was kind of quite expecting some massive sort of organ and choir numbers but you've come in with some thrilling choices the first one is Stop This Flame by Celeste which is not, not even released on an album yet, I think. T tell us about that and why you picked it. Okay, so uh, basically you asked me to choose five songs for this um, programme, and that is impossible for me because I'm a huge music fan right across genres. So I basically cheated and just went to my latest compilation. I've been making compilations. I used to do sort of tapes back in the day and then compilation CDs. I went to um, the latest one, which is issue number 79 of my favourite songs of the moment. And um, this is the opening track on that um, album, um, self-compiled. Um, uh, self um, this song, I've, I think, is appropriate because it's about persevering. We're in a time where we've got to persevere through the challenges that we're facing. And it's also about enduring love. And I think that's what the Abbey stands for. Mm. My heart goes up, my heart goes down We fall in love and we fall back out I'll give you anything you want, anything you want Anything, anything, just don't tell me no You stop it still, then you make it worse You're like a pill that I just can't trust You tell me to stop, but I keep on going Tell me to stop, but I keep on going Tell me to stop, but I keep on going Keep on, keep on, keep on You'll never stop this, baby 
move too far It's y'all too much I think I must be mad to give you everything I have Everything I have Everything, everything But it still went bad Tell me to stop but I keep on going Tell me to stop but I keep on going Tell me to stop but I keep on going Keep on, keep on, keep on You'll never stop this Uh, Celeste, so she's British Jamaican. So I didn't know that track. Wow. Well, there you go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, and I'll be I'll be checking out more of more of uh, Celeste for sure. So, Guy, you've been uh, on an extensive rebuilding program at the Abbey. Mm. How's that going? What are your priorities, and what's changing now? Thank you. Well, um, basically, uh, we are part way through, roughly halfway through the build stage of um, the footprint project it's called and um, that's a very exciting um, basically refit for the 21st century um, it's introducing underfloor eco-friendly heating um, public loos I mean when I say underfloor heating that's taking from um, from the ancient hot spring um, public loos flexible space um, uh, so we'll be able to use the building in various ways uh, we'll have a song school for choirs, a discovery and education centre, which are completely new, much better welcome and dis display spaces. Um, so basically, halfway through that, um, I, I said I arrived at the beginning of the Christmas market. I also arrived right at the beginning of ripping up the floor of the Abbey. So life has, has not been at all normal the entire time I've been here so far. Um, we tried to keep the Abbey's ministry going, welcoming visitors. We have around 500,000 visitors a year, which um, is a huge opportunity, but quite a challenge when half the building at any one time um, is screened off with sort of noisy work going on behind it um, at the moment. Uh, 
so and also keeping going our services whilst um whilst the footprint works going on so normally on a sunday there would be five services um services every day as as well um so we've kept all that going up until um lockdown um but uh it's been a sort of changing moving um thing uh which for a new rector coming in trying to get a handle on um what the abbey does um what the abbey does at the moment um has some similarity to what it will do in the future um but it is a changing thing so the new things you'll have you'll have a center flexible space uh, be able to do education underfloor heating drawing from the, the the thermal springs which is fantastic that all sounds that sounds like a uh, an environment for an evolving role a changing role doesn't it in, in... yeah yeah is, is there anything you're getting rid of you're getting rid of the pews aren't you yeah the pews i um the pews have gone um all right uh, okay uh so the floor um has been cleared um part of the um uh, enabling of underfloor heating meant that you had to remove um the platforms that the pews are on in order for the heat to come through the stones um and uh a decision was made to not put the pews back in any form um, to have chairs, which obviously means we can use the space uh, with various seating arrangements or sometimes completely clear. And I have to say the Abbey is absolutely stunning when it's completely clear of furniture. It's a really, really beautiful space. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's where we are. Uh, people often, um, I mean, obviously pews, there are strong feelings. Um, for and against um and uh, some people love them some people hate them um i just say when people say what about the pews i say yes it must have been a very difficult decision to make and indeed <laughs> but there are certain ah, at this point um i can still um i can still play that card there will come a point where everything in the abbey is my fault <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the monuments guy are there any difficult decisions to make about monuments that you've got in well that's obviously a hot topic at the moment um we don't have any statues that i'm aware of um but we have wall memorials and ledger stones um and uh we are in the process of doing a proper survey of those um, shall i read shall i read some of them out we've got yeah. we've got matthew munro of the island of grenada whose remains are here deposited of whose life was spent in unwearied practice of every virtue that can adorn humanity, or, or Thomas Aline of Barbados, how amiable for the many virtues he possessed, with, with the S's all looking like F's, or mm -hmm. ja James Pedder of the island of Jamaica, his family most sensibly feel the loss of one of the best of husbands and tenderest of fathers, and the many virtues he possessed make him justly lamented by all his acquaintances. I mean, these sort of feel like stone hagiographies, aren't they? That's sort of what they would write on their own LinkedIn profile if they, if, if they could. Yeah. But, but so, yeah, I mean, you've, you have quoted three. Obviously, um, there are hundreds of yeah. memorials in the Abbey. And um, what we've done is we have unfurloughed um, our, our archive officer who mm. is preparing with others. Um, we've unfurloughed the learning officer too. Um, to do a proper survey. I mean, basically what we need to identify is um, uh, where there are slave traders, where there are slave owners, um, not necessarily the same, and where there are people who have benefited financially from 
slavery. We need to do a proper survey um, and and work out on the result of that. And obviously, we're doing that as fast as we can now. Um, uh, we're going to be issuing a sort of interim in information sheet, which refers to those people you've just mentioned and and others that we are aware of, um, and then work out uh, whether, um, in the worst case, things have to be taken down, um, uh, or um, perhaps more likely, um, there is a comment put alongside, um, which contextualizes and puts um, our contemporary understanding of, um, of the evils of slavery uh, alongside any memorial so that we can learn from the history, not airbrush it. Who are you going to be consulting? Well, I mean, obviously, with that, they, that, that's a really good question. And it's something, I mean, obviously, there is a local BAME education support group. Um, Bristol Cathedral are doing lots of work on their own history. We'll want to consult with them. Vera Hobhouse, as the MP, has expressed um, a real interest in, in, in helping us out. Um, Sean Sobers, who I think is connected with Fairfield House, we've very him well. Yep, him too. Yeah. Um, so there's a variety of people that we'll want to have as advisors to the project. And in fact, um, in terms of, I mean, obviously this is not looking backwards, looking forwards, um, uh, combating um, and doing what we can to be a, a platform for combating modern slavery is also. Um, a large part of the concern. So this isn't just backward looking, but I mean, obviously, memorials can be symbols um, and um, symbols are very powerful. But if you only deal with symbols um, and don't actually um, address what it's sim symbolizing, um, then you're, you're really not doing um, the job that that needs to be done. So um, the other person is um, who is a resident of um, Bath, he's um, a former bishop, um, who chairs the Church of England's anti-slavery um, uh, task force, um, the Clure Initiative. And so we'll, we will obviously want to make full use of his input too, uh, together with um, Kate Garbers um, from um, Unhidden and so on. So there's, there's basically, um, sorry, Unseen, um, there's, um, a variety of people that, that which we will obviously need to consult with um, and we'll, we will take it forward very much in consultation with others. So it sounds like you've got a high powered team with diverse representation. I think, mm. so I was last in the, I was in the Abbey for, for the TEDx conference. I gave a talk at that and just look, looking at the, at the Abbey, I, I was sort of tr troubled by the monuments because I, what I felt was, you know, if you're a person of Caribbean descent and you want to simply worship, and make that connection. I just felt that the, the clutter was problematic and having to process all of that, I mean, even if there were kind of information boards and stuff, it feels as if Bath's black population, which is a small minority, are struggling against something pretty deeply embedded and not, which hasn't been acknowledged for a very, very long time. That's sort of what it feels like, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we will obviously want to listen hard to those um, those voices and and concerns. And it is um, it's really important that um, that group do that level of listening um, yeah. that you're talking. Well, about. I think one one of the things I found um, 
not not deeply concerning, but maybe a little concerning, is that um, in the practical terms of sort of visiting the Abbey, um, I've been there um, several occasions, um, and while it's not hostile, it's not particularly friendly either, and it doesn't. Um, there is no sense of. Uh, I know Bath is predominantly white. We all know what the demographics of Bath are, but nevertheless, you can have a a, a more welcoming agenda. Um, it would be nice if you could somehow feel that you know the minorities were included in the life of um, uh, the Abbey, because as we all know, uh, minorities are probably the most passionate about um, the faith of their most uh, fervent followers, um, growing numbers. So it seems ironic that it isn't a particularly um, welcoming environment. Yeah. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. And obviously we will um, want to listen hard um, to that feedback. Um, we do work very hard on um, trying to be a, a warmly welcoming um, community um, and um, obviously um, we've got more more to um, more to work at. We I make him a suggestion as well. <laughs> um, I've been to the Abbey um, on a, a number of occasions and uh, over the last couple of days as we um, approached this interview I thought about what it was about my experience that always made me feel other and I think it's um, sometimes that question where are you coming from? Sometimes they want to engage you and they're trying to be nice, but there's always the assumption on the side of the person asking the question that you're either foreign or a non-Bath person. I know. So I, you, well, did you know, we did some training with... About... Sorry, sorry to cut, cut, cut across you. Know, we, we did some training with welcomers recently and that particular point was made that you cannot ask that question. It's often what people want to ask, particularly if you know, if a coach load of just, you're wanting to be friendly, it's an easy opening bit, but it can imply that you think someone is foreign um, when they're not. Um, and I think part of our difficulty is almost the better we do with tourists from further afield, the harder um, to be a church which is there for the city because all of the messaging both verbal and non-verbal can be that um, you know we're assuming that you're just dropping in for the day you're on a coach or whatever else or you've just come for the weekend um, and being an abbey for the city uh, is something actually it's one of our sort of main things to review well basically COVID's done it for us to be honest but um, to re review this year how to do that better um, and it, it will be a major focus as, um, for us for the next few years at least to try to redress that balance. Um, we do lots of civic services, we do, you know, we, we host lots of things for the city but all we city folk, we want to be of all, of all hues, uh, whether they're people of faith or not, um, we want to welcome in. Yeah, uh, I, I really feel for you in balancing those challenges, the challenge of the building and of the community and the welcome and the challenge of serving those, those quite different groups. One of the things I've um, appreciated coming to Bath Abbey is it's um, uh, the fact that it is well connected globally. Um, lots, we, we support lots of projects around the world um, and obviously have in, international visitors on a daily basis too. Um, so I, 
I'm hoping, I mean, part of the vision for Bath Abbey is it should be a house of prayer for all nations. We have all nations coming to us on a daily basis, um, all the concerns in people's home countries. Um, as rector, I would love people to come in and have a sense of here is a praying community who are supporting, praying, giving, um, and engaged with um, uh, situations far and wide. And um, so, for example, yesterday in our, um, we're in a series, we've just completed yesterday, actually, a series of five Sunday services, which were, the focus was the projects which, which we support uh, uh, around the world. Um, yesterday it was um, Tamil Nadu, we support a project called Reaching the Un Unreached, which is orphaned and uh, abandoned children in India. Um, 800 children in four villages um, set up in family groupings and so on and um, for some time the Abbey has supported that work, sent groups out there um, uh, to keep the connection live and so on. So I think, I mean, that having experienced churches in various parts of the country, um, one of the things I've really enjoyed about Bath Abbey is it's not just lip service but genuine reaching out um, to the wider world and its needs. Um, clearly, we need to do more. You're listening to Imperial Voice. This is In Our City. Tozin and I are talking today with Guy Bridgewater, who's the rector of Bath Abbey. And we're enjoying our conversation so much, we've got quite carried away, and it's high time that we should patch in a second song, which, if I've got it right, is Love is a Wild Thing by Casey Musgraves. You're taking us straight into Texas with a bit of country, aren't you? Yeah, well, this is, um, th this is a song about the search for love, and um, I could see that as a spiritual search. You can't find it Sitting on a shelf in a store If you try to hide it It's gonna shine even more Even if you lose it It will find you There's no way to stop it But they'll try Can't see 
Female singers, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do like. Actually, um, I'm, I'm actually into male singers too. But yeah, mellow is fine. Yeah, good and good for right now. I think that was love as a wild thing, Casey Musgraves. Guy, so COVID, how have you guys dealt with it? Well, obviously, it's been a huge, terrible um, scourge um, for us all, um, and um, so. You're just aware for victims and their families, it just takes everything away. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think prayer and pastoral support has really been uh, the focus for the last period of time for us at the Abbey. Um, I think people, How many people have we lost in Bath? I think no. I, th I think I think Bath has been. Um, I I I don't know the current number, but Bath has been um, saved the worst of it for the time being. I mean, obviously, it could um, it could easily flare up here as it has in Leicester currently, um, and you know we we track what's going on. But I think I think we've had very different experiences, haven't we, of lockdown? For some people, it has been quite literally life and death. Um, for them and for their families. For others, it's been a question of being furloughed um, from work and um, uh, being locked down, being isolated, um, mental health issues, um, obviously pressures of homeschooling and so on have been, have been huge. And, and for other people, it's been a question of working absolutely flat out, um, trying to um, cope with what's going on at, at the moment and gear up for what's coming to the future. So I think for us at the Abbey, obviously there have been no services um, uh, in, the, in the Abbey itself, um, with um, most of our staff furloughed. Um, we have been holding services online, um, and uh, that's been actually a new opportunity, as all churches have found in this, in this period, to, to reach out to people um, in different ways, and actually people who are um, at home anyway, uh, people who, who can't get out, out and about have been able to feel part of the service um, in that way so there's new op opportunities online but um, pastoral care has been really difficult you obviously have been able to visit people and so um, lots of phone calls um, both from obviously the clergy but actually um, we've um, we have a, um, a system of contact groups within the abbey and arranging that making sure that people aren't forgotten um, there's obviously been no events, no concerts, nothing going on in the building. That means no visitor income, um, which uh, obviously there's all sorts of financial challenges that that um, generates. Um, and then thinking of how to come out of um, out of lockdown gradually, um, we're we're obviously looking to to the point where wonderfully we'll be able to celebrate uh, being the other side of the pandemic at some point and the abbey would very much want to host a service of thanksgiving for the nhs for key workers um, 
obviously there will be lots of um, personal Thanksgiving services, people whose funerals have taken place with very few people able to attend. Um, and uh, so there will be Thanksgiving for ind individuals too. We were planning to have a service at uh, the Abbey uh, to mark the 200th anniversary of the birth of Florence Nightingale, for example, and give thanks to the NHS. That's something which we would hope to hold in, in the future. So it's been an incredibly busy, um, difficult, challenging patch for everybody. You don't need me to tell you that. What I've found myself doing over the last few weeks, um, having always considered myself a Christian, is that I am now considering, reconsidering, my Christianity in view of the fact that this church colluded so closely with the slave trade. Have you, have you had any thoughts about that? Have you, has that been a question that is? Yeah, I mean, so obviously um, collusion was right across society um, and uh, the church was no different to its shame. That's certainly not the Christian vision of how the church should be. I mean, Jesus's vision of how the church should be. And I think um, every age has its blind spots. Uh, and that was a really major one. Um, I think I mean, it's easy for us sometimes to look back and see the blind spots of previous eras. Um, what I'm equally nervous about is what blind spots I may have now. Um, because you're often, we're brought up within a culture which just doesn't question certain things. And clearly the church should have questioned it. It was there in the mandate originally. Um, St. Paul says, all are one in Christ Jesus. In Christ there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor, nor Gentile. All are one. Um, it took the church um, centuries to actually... Uh, eventually um, challenge that. And obviously William Wilberforce um, is the person that we tend to name as the campaigner, but there was a movement behind him. Um, we're obviously aware William Wilberforce visited Bath on many occasions, got married here apparently. So I, I didn't know that until recently. He's one of the subscribers to Christchurch. Uh, the slave trade. Sorry, pardon? He was, he was one of the subscribers to um, the Christchurch in Julian Road. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah, there's a, there is a, a history there which, um, of the church getting it wrong. And um, we, we have to repent of that uh, and get back to the original vision um, and um, also be very humble about any, um, any blind spots that we may have, which we haven't actually yeah. been able to see yet. What's the Abbey's philosophy and approach to working with other faith groups around Bath. I mean, obviously there's, you know, Imam, there's, um, there was churches together, but I think that stopped partly because of the Abbey's desire to, to stop working with um, other groups who had sort of different approaches and philosophies. What, what would be your philosophy today to being part of churches together and working with other faith groups? Yeah, I don't know anything about the Abbey stopping churches together. That, that sounds very, strange to me i don't think that's probably right although you you might be able to correct me um there's a thing called bath can which has replaced churches together as a name but still is very much a sort of joined up action group 
And I think in terms of both across the churches and interfaith um, uh, working, that's often um, the place to start. Social action um, is um, something obviously which we all care very deeply about. Um, the, um, the mayor of Bath um, each year holds an interfaith forum and it takes a different topic each time and they invite perspectives from different faith groups and I know there's been some um, some profitable conversations which have followed on from that certainly between Abbey um, staff and the Imam that you're talking about um, uh, yeah but I, I, I guess um, that's something which I will catch up with in terms of arriving in Bath as a sort of newly um, newly appointed rector it takes a while for the ripples out into the city and engagement with um, every dimension of it I, I personally have been pretty absorbed by uh, footprint COVID um, and now the Black Lives Matter issue the, the issues come you know um, thick and fast and um, uh, the, in, the interfaith perspective must never be lost um, it's time will come and certainly as far as as I'm concerned, my own engagement, no doubt it's time will come uh, for me to personally be more involved with those of other faith. Well, recently, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Rodney, said that Jesus was black, is that right? Or not white? How do you think your congregation would deal with that idea of a notion? I sincerely hope no problem whatsoever. Jesus was Middle Eastern, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So, um, and obviously the whole idea of a white European Jesus, um, I think every culture, uh, because um, we believe as Christians that Jesus is God become man, um, they, every culture tends to picture Jesus um, partly as a Middle Eastern person, but also partly as one of them. And so the art tends to reflect that. You go around the world, you see all, and this was the Archbishop's point, I think. I think he talked about Japanese Jesuses and Fijian Jesuses and um, Black African Jesuses and so on. As you go around um, the Anglican communion, as he does, he encounters art which reflects Jesus um, expressed in many cultures. So, and as I said earlier, I think um, Bath Abbey is well connected internationally and um, I think we'd be on the front foot with that one. Um, I certainly hope so. We had, a, we had um, uh, obviously, Vera, Vera's uh, Black Lives in Bath event mm. last week, and one of the speakers there, um, mm. Lloyd, his wife had served, I think you know him, uh, his, his wife had served as a curate by invitation on an occasion that the Archbishop came. And it was one of these, sort of, these microaggression-type incidents where one individual parishioner declined to take communion from her and mm -hmm. they, they've got over it they're not going to flap about it but I, that I, would I just be, that would be um terribly sad wouldn't it and i think yeah. and wrong i would have um there are people who um feel that way about women ministers yeah uh, she, she's obviously also also a woman yeah that, <laughs> that might well have been more which is equally in my view unacceptable but there are those who um who have that that particular block um and uh, so that could have been it so is your vision an abbey which is egalitarian in terms of race and gender and sexuality yes right. yes we want okay. to be as 
inclusive as possible. I, I was yeah. challenged by um, at the webinar that the council held um, the other day. Sean Sobers was saying it isn't enough to be non-racist. Um, we all like we all like to think that we aren't racist, um, um, but we ought to be on proactively anti-racist. And in terms of gender and sexuality, that's where I think we've got a challenge. In terms of gender and sexuality, you you have obviously I've heard women preach in in, in the Abbey. That that equality is there, and is it also there in terms of sexuality? Would you do, you do same-sex marriages? Do you practice marriage equality, or is... um, we aren't able to um, practice same-sex marriages. That's a Church of England-wide um, decision. Um, but certainly in terms of um, people of um, LGBT plus persuasion ministering in the Abbey, that's not a problem at all. My next song is not um, choral tradition there, I'm afraid. It's Jamie Cullum, local boy, the age of anxiety. We live in an age of anxiety where we're searching for meaning, which is what the song is about. I just want to live inside sometimes Don't want to have to beg you to subscribe Are you a man before your father dies? But what's a man these days I hear you cry And are we raising up our children right? Is my career gonna reignite? See all the virtue signalers tonight I want that bandwagon to pass me by Well I've been scratching around in the dirt Looking for meaning in the cold, cold earth So gathering what's left of your self-worth Cause only love is what survives of us Cause I hold on to you And you hold on to me A tiny victory In the age of anxiety Do those kids know that I was somebody? And I've kept all my texts from Amy My mother was one of those buddies Another stranger off the ferry Don't wanna put my hands up in the air And raise my phone up like I just don't care That rage blow me down the White House stairs Did I Time on all that prayer. No, I won't be your apparatchik. And be the kind who's blind to all this magic. So here comes your European exit with asylum seekers in your attic. So I hold on to you and you Victory in the age of anxiety. Today, I do not feel like being strong. I don't want to admit to the world I'm wrong.
Don't make me feel that I have to belong I hope the band won't make me sing along Cause I hold on to you You hold on to me Tiny victory A shining victory in the age of anxiety. I was just going to say on that, I'm just reflecting on that program yesterday, um, last, last night. I only saw the first one, I haven't seen the second one. But shocking, um, I mean, just a sort of insight to the brutality and the sheer scale of slavery, um, which has informed our whole national life and the life of the city. And I just think we're entering a stage where uh, rather like Germany with the Holocaust, you know, when you are a, a, a culpable nation, um, you know, um, it, 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 this is going to be a debate and a, and a series of actions which need to take place, which I, I'm going to really need your help with. Um, and I think, you know, the city is going to need everyone's input. Um, obviously, I think it is a national thing. Taking down of statues is a symbol, but it's just the beginning. It is just the beginning. I, I, I was in Canada on sabbatical. I may have a terrible history with the way that settlers, both British and French, treated the First Nations. Yes. And I, um, I was there for three months. And every church service I went to, every concert I went to, every lecture I attended began with a statement. Um, we welcome you, we gather on the ancient lands of the, and then they named the tribe, and, um, and we honour the chief, whoever that was at the moment. And, and then there was something which was quite penitential, recognising that this has been um, a people who have not been um, treated right, uh, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, it's so much part of the consciousness that you, you, can, you can't hold a public event without prefacing with that. Now, I don't know how long they've, they've been doing that, but it was very striking. And um, I, think a, I think there's a balance to it. There, I think there's a balance. I am, I've had this conversation recently with a, another group. Um, and I think it's important to respect those who have gone past. Um, but I think it's equally um, important to put into place measures that will make life good mm. equitable for those who are here now there's no point in constantly apologizing for the past if the present remains the same if yeah, the right. lack of opportunities if the lack of representation if the lack of voice um mm. remains the same 
there's it's for me it's empty it is about empowering the people who are here now and yeah. then yeah otherwise really it's just symbolism that's that's that is really yeah I'm, that's absolutely right thank you um, i think our mp vera hophouse has approached this in a in a smart way which is to listen respectfully and also to understand that as well as safe spaces where a very small minority can themselves we need safe spaces where the overwhelming white majority can express or confess to you know ineptitude or or, or wrong thoughts and feelings and the thing is, it's, it's sort of for the white majority to fix that problem in themselves because it's, it's just unfair to place that problem on a tiny black minority. But it's a, oh, a journey we're all on in different ways. I've, I've uh, you know, it... it, it uh, I, think, I think there's probably phases, phases of that, aren't there? I, mean, I think you're right. If you, if you are endlessly apologising and there's no action, that's, that's hopeless. But, it, but at least recognising... Uh, it brings an awareness, as I, which is, I think, you know, the death of George Floyd and what has followed from it has brought an awareness. And things like the programme that I watched last night, for me, it was very moving. Um, I think that it's when it, there's a lack of awareness um, that basically white, white privilege, you, you, you just, you know, you need to be, it's blindingly obvious to someone who isn't, <laughs> Uh, in that group but for those who are in it it's almost it is the blind spot you just assume this is how life is and uh, that's wrong and we need to be told that and show I mean I, I think I, I found it um, both encouraging and um, uh, simultaneously depressing when I speak to uh, white friends who still don't understand what black lives matter means because they think that it is an agenda to make black people more um, uh, uh, superior to 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 try and dominate in this, and they still haven't got the message that is just trying to level the playing field, just trying to get the same respect. I I appreciate obviously that they come and they talk to me about it, mm. but it's depressing that with all the information that is out there. People yeah. are still missing the point. They still don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for... Uh, uh, this has been, I mean, uh, quite apart from the broadcast, it's been a really helpful conversation <laughs> and one which I genuinely hope, you know, we'll, we'll be able to continue. Yeah. I have to ask you this question. In the long, long history of the Abbey, who do you think is the most globally influential Christian ever to have been into the Abbey? Wow. That's a very good question now, because obviously my, um, my history um, of the Abbey and its visitors is very limited. Um, but if someone like Desmond Tutu had been to Bath Abbey, I'd, I would want to say him. Yeah, I'm sure he probably has visited. <laughs> well, we, we put in a vote for His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie I. Oh, well, there you go. Of course yeah. you would. Absolutely. There's a, there's a photo of him emerging from the Abbey. He was a devout Christian, Orthodox Christian. Yeah. and uh, very much in favour of the of unity between the Christian churches mm -hmm. and uh, spoke powerfully to his bishops. The Ethiopian church broke away from the Egyptian Orthodox church and he, he gave it some very good steers, including, by the way, uh, changing 
all the dragons in the St. George images from black faces, like we have on our CMG medals, to green dragons. His, his participation in church life while he was in the UK was very, very important. So um, have you been to Fairfield House? Do you know Fairfield House? I haven't yet. Um, I would love, love to come and have a look round. Absolutely. Yeah. Please consider this a warm invitation. I mean, the, the contrast with the Abbey is very strong. The scale of the Abbey, the scale of the investment into the Abbey, uh, Fairfield has, you know, has water coming down through the roof if, 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 if a volunteer doesn't co- go up and clean the leaves and stuff. I think we would, we would love to connect the two communities because I think we could do a huge wow. amount for each other. That would be fantastic. Mm, absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, brilliant. No, I mean, I, of course, please come to um, you know, Fairfield House and, and um, you know, join, join with us. You're listening to Imperial Voice. This has been our city with our special guest, Guy Bridgewater, who's the rector of Bath Abbey right at the heart of Bath. Thank you very much indeed. It was, it was good. It was good. Yeah, thank you very much. It's really nice to meet you. I'm William Heath. And I'm Oluwatosi Oniliri. Guy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Streaming as if Pleasure. from the palace of His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie I. That has been in our city. Mm-hmm.